the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. Under no circumstances should you be dating or marrying someone who is not a Christian. If they do not share your love for Jesus, your love for the Bible, your love for the church, your biblical worldview, do not, under any circumstances, date them or marry them. That's just biblical truth. But wait a minute, wait. I know this one couple. I know this couple. She was a Christian. He wasn't. She married him anyway. He got saved. Now he pastors a mega church. It all worked out great. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Genesis. Much heartache and pain can be avoided if we will simply adhere to the loving warnings of Scripture as we go through life. This applies to all areas and most certainly to the topic of dating and marriage. Today, Pastor Gary lays out several biblical principles for choosing a mate as we consider the account of Isaac and Rebecca's miraculous union. If we ignore God's directives, we may try to convince ourselves that it will all turn out okay. But if a marriage made in heaven has its challenges, how much harder will it be if we reject God's way? At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary for part one of today's message entitled, A Wedding Story. Genesis, the first book of the Bible, 24th chapter. Genesis 24 is where we are. We've been looking at the lives of Abraham and Sarah, who in their latter years of life, the Lord blessed by allowing them to conceive and have a baby. That baby's name was Isaac. Abraham was 100. Sarah was 90. And because they have Isaac in their latter years, What we read about them in the Bible is that they soon thereafter die, and so Genesis chapter 23 records the death of Sarah at the age of 127, and Genesis 25 records the death of Abraham at 175. The chapter in between, chapter 24, in between the death of Sarah and Abraham, has to do with Abraham's final words before he dies in chapter 25, and his final words have to do with instructing his servant, whose name is Eleazar, he's named in chapter 15, he's not named in chapter 24, but that's who we know he is. His final words involve asking his servant Eleazar to go and to find an appropriate, suitable wife for his son Isaac. And that's what chapter 24 is all about. It's a long chapter. I'm going to read the first several verses, and then 
a couple in the middle and a few at the end so that we can get the whole story in a nutshell. But starting at verse 1 in chapter 24, if you'd follow along as I read, it says, Abraham was now old and well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the chief servants in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I am living, but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. The servant asked him, what if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? Make sure that you do not take my son back there, Abraham said, the Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household and my native land, and who spoke to me and promised me on oath, saying, to your offspring I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, so that you can get a wife for my son from there. If the woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you will be released from this oath of mine. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of his master, Abraham, and swore an oath to him concerning this matter. By the way, I've talked extensively on Wednesday nights about what this ancient ritual is by putting the hand under the thigh to make a covenant. You can listen to the tapes. Uh, It's in-depth. It's something that um, is a little strange to us. Suffice it to say, I'm glad today when we make an oath that we shake hands. All right, verse 10. Verse 10 says, The servant took ten of his master's camels and left, taking with him all kinds of good things from his master. He set out for Aram Naharim and made his way to the town of Nahor. He had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. It was toward evening, the time the women go out to draw water. Then he prayed, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, give me success today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside this spring, and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a girl, please let down your jar that I may have a drink, and she says, drink, and I'll water your camels too, let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master." Before he had finished praying, Rebekah came out with her jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor. The girl was very beautiful, a virgin. No man had ever lain with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. The servant hurried to meet her and said, Please, give me a little water from your jar. Drink, my lord, she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. After she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too, until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water, and drew enough for all his camels. Without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took out a gold nose ring weighing a becca and two gold bracelets weighing ten shekels. Then he asked, "'Whose daughter are you? Please tell me, is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night?' She answered him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son that Milcah bore to Nahor. And she added, We have plenty of straw and fodder, as well as room for you to spend the night. Then the man bowed down and worshipped the Lord, saying, Praise be to the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not abandoned his kindness and faithfulness to my master. As for me, the Lord has led me on the journey to the house of my master's relatives. All right, let's skip ahead to verse 50. He goes back with Rebekah to her household. He meets her family. Her brother's name is Laban. Her father's name is Bethuel. And he explains all of this. He says, I've come 500 miles. My master's Abraham. He wants me to get a a wife for his son, Isaac. And the Lord's answered my prayer. And so I've come to your home. Well, in response, they hear all of this. And they say in verse 50, Laban and Bethuel answered, 
This is from the Lord. We can say nothing to you one way or the other. Here is Rebecca. Take her and go and let her become the wife of your master's son as the Lord has directed. Jump ahead to verse 61. Then Rebekah and her maids got ready and mounted their camels and went back with the man. So the servant took Rebekah and left. Now Isaac had come from Bir Lahai Roy, for he was living in the Negev. He went out to the field one evening to meditate, and as he looked up, he saw camels approaching. Rebekah also looked up and saw Isaac. She got down from her camel and asked the servant, Who is that man in the field coming to meet us? He is my master, the servant answered. So she took her veil and covered herself. Then the servant told Isaac all he had done. Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother, Sarah, and he married Rebekah. So she became his wife, and he loved her, and Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Interesting way that that chapter ends. We know that Sarah's been dead for three years. We know that Isaac is now 40 years of age, and in the last three years, he's just been grieving over his mother's death. But now the Lord has brought Rebekah to him, and there's this glorious comfort that comes with this wonderful wife that he now marries, and the Lord uses that to minister to his grieving heart over the death of his mother. All right, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to speak as rapidly as I can. I've got a lot to share in a little bit amount of time, so let me just dive right into our Bible study, and I'm going to tell you right at the beginning exactly where I'm going, so everybody knows the direction we're heading in this Bible study. This 24th chapter of Genesis is a love story. It is a love story that leads to marriage, which is, by the way, marriage, the most important decision a person can make outside of the decision to follow Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. It is the most important decision next to trusting Christ as your Savior. And so this chapter is filled with great biblical principles having to do with courtship or dating, whatever you want to call it, and leading up to and including marriage, which means that this Bible study is going to be primarily geared to those of you who are unmarried, those of you who are single, wanting to be married. This might apply to you. This might apply to a friend of yours. This might apply to a son or a daughter of yours. But this is the direction that we're heading. Now, you married people, don't tune me out because there's plenty in here for us to understand about marriage as well. But here's an interesting statistic, and it just came out as a result of the 2010 census. America has shifted in terms of demographics. For the first time in America's history, married couples are in the minority. Did you know that? that more households are now headed by unmarried single adults than by married adults. 51% of households in America are led by unmarried people. First time in America's history. As a result, that means that a Bible study like this has great relevance because that's the now trending direction that our nation is going in terms of marriage versus singleness. The fact is, people are now waiting much longer before they get married, or unfortunately, people are simply living together without being married, kind of the friends with benefits deal. And since roughly half of all marriages end in divorce, a lot of people who are unmarried are a little disillusioned and reluctant to get married, and they are reluctant to commit. So that's what's going on in our culture right now, which is why a Bible study like this is very, very important. By the way, the ratio of divorce gets worse with remarriage. Roughly 50% of first marriages end in divorce. 
67% of second marriages end in divorce. 74% of third marriages end in divorce. You would think that as people got married and remarried, they might have learned something. It would actually get better. Not so. The statistics are worse for every marriage. Here's the reason why. Most divorces occur within the first nine years of a marriage. Most do. Which happen to be the hardest years in a marriage. So what happens is, people who don't persevere in the first nine years, and I don't mean to stroke a broad brush and just say it's all because somebody didn't persevere, but I'm just saying the great preponderance statistically, people who don't persevere, first nine years, they get a divorce, and then what happens, they remarry, and they start the hardest years all over again. They get right back into the first nine years, which are the hardest years. So we have this cycle in our nation. It has led to a disillusionment. As a result, unmarried people, never married people, are disillusioned with marriage. Previously married people are hurt as a result of what they've been through. And those who are married are hanging on for dear life. That's kind of the way that I see our culture right now. Never married, disillusioned, previously married, hurt. Those who are married, holding on for dear life. And that's where we're going in our Bible study here. So let's dive right in. Now, even though this is an arranged marriage, and it is, it was typical in that culture. By the way, it's still typical in a lot of foreign cultures arranged marriages, I want you to know with me that even though it is an arranged marriage, it is a marriage of love. This is a love story. Look at the way again chapter 24 ends, verse 67, last sentence of this chapter. It says, so she, that is Rebecca, became his wife, that is Isaac's wife, and he loved her. And he loved her. He loved her. This is a sincere love story that, that ends up in a marriage. But he loves her. Circle the word love. It's only the second time the word love appears in all the Bible. First time the word love appears was last week's Bible study. Remember? Abraham loved Isaac. Now Isaac loves his wife, Rebecca. Second time the word love appears. This is a love story, but it is an arranged marriage. You know, I remember when I was single, my single days, I remember thinking to myself very judgmentally, critically, about cultures that were about arranged marriages. I remember thinking to myself, how archaic. You know, how, how primitive, how controlling for parents to arrange their marriage of their kids. And then I became married and a parent, and now I think it's a wonderful idea. <laughs> I, I've really learned to embrace the thought. I think, you know, wow, I think it's, it makes sense if somebody's been married 25 years and your kid is only like 20, perhaps you have a little more wisdom to share than what your 20-year-old even knows. But in American culture, we're just like, all right, God bless you, have a good date, and hopefully it'll all work out, you know? And come back and check with us later. And parents are very disengaged, and I'm not saying we should return to the days of, you know, arranging marriages. I, I just, I'm more fond of the whole concept than I was when I was single. But at the very least, parents should be much more engaged And uh, if parents aren't around, certainly friends, siblings, aunts, uncles, grandparents, somebody should be more engaged in helping people to be a little more wise about the direction that they're heading. But here's the deal. Abraham arranges this marriage for his son Isaac, and he has two stipulations. He charges his servant, who is named Eleazar, not in this chapter, but chapter 15, so we know his name. He charges Eleazar with two specific instructions. Number one, my son Isaac is not to marry a Canaanite woman. Number two, you were to go to my ancient homeland of Babylonia and you were to find a wife for him there, but do not under any circumstances take Isaac with you. 
Those are his two stipulations. Now let's break this down. What does that mean about marriage and courtship? The first thing that Abraham says is Isaac is not to marry a Canaanite woman. Let me explain to you a little bit about the Canaanites. The Canaanites were the people who occupied the land before Abraham had gotten there. These are the ancient people who occupied the promised land, and they were, by historical and biblical description, a ruthless, immoral people. Their lives were marked by gross sexual immorality, the worship of nature, fertility rites, and child sacrifice. In fact, God instructs later in the Levitical law that there are certain sins in Leviticus 18 that the Hebrew people should never engage in. And God gets specific. It's a little graphic, but he gets specific. He says no incest, no bestiality, no homosexuality, no child sacrifice. Just to name a few of Leviticus 18. And the reason why God outlines these particular sins is because he says there in Leviticus 18.27, all these things were done by the people who lived in the land before you, and the land became defiled. And if you defile the land, it will vomit you out as it vomited out the nations that were before you. Leviticus 18.27-28. to 28. In other words, God was speaking of the Canaanites. He was saying to the Hebrew people, listen, you're living in a land that is among people who are corrupt and immoral. Gross sexual sin, fertility rights, the worship of nature, child sacrifice. I do not want you to practice what they practice to live as they live. Abraham knows this. He sees the lascivious lifestyle of the people around him, among whom he lives, the Canaanites who still occupy the land before they will later be driven out. And so one of the stipulations to Eleazar is Isaac is never, ever, ever to marry one of these Canaanite women because Abraham knows who they are and what they are about. Now, this is important truth. Listen to me. He's talking about separating yourself for the purpose of marriage. If you follow the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, if you're a Christian, you're going to live among non-Christians. The fact is, non-Christian worldly people may make great co-workers. They may make fine neighbors. They may make decent professionals and good citizens. Non-saved worldly people may even be good acquaintances and even semi-friends if you have the intention of sharing the love of Jesus with them. But listen to me, they never, ever, 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 ever make for a good spouse if you're a Christian. Does everybody hear me on that? Just in case you didn't, let me just say it again. In case you don't know this, if those of you are taking notes, this, this needs to be understood. This is a biblical principle from this wedding story. Number one, if you're unmarried and wanting to be married, commit to only dating, recording, whatever you want to say, and marrying a Christian. Under no circumstances should you be dating or marrying someone who is not a Christian, if they do not share your love for Jesus, your love for the Bible, your love for the church, your biblical worldview, do not, under any circumstances, date them or marry them. That's just biblical truth. But wait a minute, wait. I know this one couple. I know this couple. She was a Christian. He wasn't. She married him anyway. He got saved. Now he pastors a mega church. It all worked out great. All right, listen to me. That's, that's great. That, that's really great. That's one in a thousand. That's one in a thousand. But listen, don't make the exceptions the model, okay? I, I know that there are some alcoholics who manage to drive home without killing anybody. That still is not a good model. 
Does everybody understand this? Don't look at the rare exceptions and say, that's the way it's going to be. That's the way it's all going to work out. Listen, by the way, if you're a Christian and you're now married to a non-Christian, don't go home with this Bible study armed for bear. Go, okay, this is my ticket out. That's not what I'm saying. Listen up. If you're a Christian married to a non-Christian, that is the will of God for you now, and that non-Christian is your mission field. What I am saying is for those of you who are Christians, don't think to yourself with intention, I'm going to marry a non-Christian because I'm just going to change them. How many times, I can't tell you how many people have been on the couch in my office, I thought I could change this person. It didn't work out, did it? So here's a little bit of advice. Whoever the person is single, they're going to be that and much more married. They just will. There's a sister here on the third row. Amen. That's just the way it's going to be. Don't make the exception the new model, okay? I know there's this guy I just read about in the newspaper. He just got... He just got approval by the Parks and Recs of Niagara Falls. This summer, he's going to stretch an 1,800-foot cable over Niagara Falls, two-inch cable. He's going to walk on it. He's going to walk on it across. I hope it goes well for him. I hope it all works out. I just would never recommend it, okay? So when it comes to Christians marrying non-Christians, don't look at the exception and say, well, it all worked out. It is never to be recommended because the Bible makes it clear. 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Some of you are thinking, oh no, this is that verse about yoking. Really? Yeah, I'm not yoking. Listen, 2 <laughs> Corinthians 6, 14. This is what it says. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Marriage is a yoking. It is the union of two into one flesh. So be selective. Be particular. Don't settle for anyone less than God's best. Commit to only dating or courting and marrying a Christian if you're a Christian. That's the first thing. Abraham says, no Canaanites. Some of you are thinking, I kind of like the Canaanites I work with. Some of the Canaanites I know are hot. So is hell, all right? Get over it. Get over it and get the biblical view on this. Here's the second thing. (laughs) Here's the second thing. The second thing is, Abraham says, all right, now, Eleazar, When you go over to Babylonia and you get a woman who is a more godly woman, do not let Isaac go with you. I do not want Isaac leaving here. And here's the deal. Because when you look between verses 3 and 5, there in chapter 24, Abraham is stressing the land. He says, God swore on oath to me that this land belongs to me and to my descendants. What's Abraham thinking? What he's thinking is, and he's wise about this, If Isaac goes back to Babylonia from where Abraham came, he's liable to stay there. He's liable to stay there. And Abraham says, listen, this is the land that God has sworn to me on oath. This is the covenant he made with me. Isaac is not to relinquish the will of God in desperation for a wife. Are you hearing me? There are people who are not thinking clearly about the lengths that they are going to to find a spouse. And the advice that Abraham is giving us through this passage here is basically this. Keep yourself in God's will and trust him to bring you a spouse. You know what's interesting about this passage? Eliezer is the name of the servant. His name translates in the Hebrew, God is comforter, God is helper. Who in the Bible is the God who comforts? Who is the God who helps? It's the Holy Spirit. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the comforter in the New Testament. The word is parakletos, the one who comes alongside. He's our comforter. He's our counselor. You know what, in essence, we are reading here? 
What we're being told is, do not relinquish the will of God. Do not step out of where God has you. It is His will. Do not compromise your standards. Do not lower your integrity. But you be a man or a woman of integrity who follows after the heart of God. Stay in the will of God and pray that the Holy Spirit will bring to you the spouse that God wants you to have. We hope that today's edition of Cornerstone Connection has been a blessing to you. The messages that you hear daily on Cornerstone Connection are produced from worship services at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. If you live in the Northern Virginia area, we encourage you to join us in person for worship. And if you're out of our local area, you can always watch our services streamed live online. We have both midweek and weekend worship services. To learn more about our service times and our other ministries, log on to cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's cornerstoneconnection.cc. Now, we also want to be sure to tell you how to get a free downloadable copy of today's teaching. Simply log on to our website, where you'll find the complete library of Pastor Gary's messages available for download. Again, that free download is available at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Another great way to stay current with Cornerstone Chapel is to download the free Cornerstone Chapel mobile app for your iPhone, iPad, or Android device. Visit cornerstoneconnection.cc for more information. We wish we could share the rest of this teaching from the book of Genesis, but we've run out of time for today. Next time, Pastor Gary will continue through this insightful study right here on Cornerstone Connection. Hey, you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.